ESPN presents the Sports Bash with Mike Gill. It's time for the MGPT Top 5 at 5 with Mike Gill and Pete Thompson. Now, live from inside the Matt Black Kia Studios, it's the MGPT Top 5 at 5. It is the MGPT Top 5 at 5, but first, it's another chance for you to win Sports Bash cash. I've got a chance for $1,000. It's easy to do. All you need to do is go to our website, 973ESPN.com. Enter the word. That gets you a chance for $1,000. That sounds pretty simple. Even a caveman could do it, right? Here we go. The word is trampoline. Now, that word might be hard for some people to spell, so I'll do it for you. T-R-A-M-P-O-L-I-N-E. That's a long word for to make people put on the website. I will say that word I'm going to criticize. Trampoline. Enter it now on our website, 973ESPN.com. It's worth $1,000. You can download the free mobile app and enter it on your phone. One lucky winner will win $10,000 thanks to Franklin Bank. Visit FranklinBNK.com. I'm Mike Hill. This is the Sports Bash. Hunter Brody and Pete Thompson is back for the MG. PT, top five at five. And tonight's top five at five. It's our five favorite flyers of all time. I figure this would be right in the PT's wheelhouse on a Wednesday edition, Peter. I mean, do you have an hour? I mean, can we just go the entire five o'clock hour and do this? I have so many. So many. All right. So the honorable mention list will be long for the PT. I know Hunter's got a bunch. Uh, my list was I had I had my five. All right. I, I did have my five. My honorable mention list, like, you know, I wasn't the biggest flyer guy. Like, I always liked the flyers, you know, but there's always kind of been my number four. Uh, but keep in mind, in all sports, I'm typically not like a big fan of the certain of like players. You know, like I'm more of the team guy than the player guy. Like certain, gotcha. you know, so this was a little bit more difficult than I thought it would be. But we have text messages coming in. Who are your favorite flyers? 609 403 0973. 609 403 0973. MGPT top five at five. Five favorite flyers. PT, go. All right, I just want to start, too, with the fact that of my top five, I saw all these guys play in their prime, except for one. I mean, the first guy that I'm going to say I did get to see play on a technicality, but that's Bernie Perrant. Bernie Perrant's in my number five spot, believe it or not, and that's because I only got to see him play in that Winter Classic, the alumni game, which was awesome to see him play five minutes and let in no goals on the five shots, and Ron Duguay took it easy on him. But how could you not include Bernie Perrant on your list? The, the part I love about Bernie the most is that he once admitted that he was watching the clock tick off the final seconds in that game six against Boston, and his quote was, if that shot from Bobby Orr's on net, it's a goal. <laughs> I mean, you got to love a guy like that, and he says it all the time. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> That is awesome, absolutely. Now, obviously, the players on my list, I've seen them play. I wanted to pick players that I legitimately watched play in their prime. Clearly, I could go back and pick the Bobby Clarks of the world, but I wanted to pick people that I enjoyed watching growing up. And number five on my list is Scott Hartnell. He just had that personality on the ice, a goofball in the locker room. I think it related with my style. You know, locker room guy, someone has to do it. Scotty Hartnell, to me, just played with that that goofiness, that personality that I really related to. He had a great head of hair, too, by the way. He did. A nice, a nice lettuce. Nice lettuce there, kid. All right, Scotty Hartnell for uh, Broads. I'm going with my number five. He's actually a member of the current team, believe it or not. 
And yes, there's a lot of players on the current team that have been around for a while, but it might not be a guy who's been around too long. And I'm going Carter Hart, man. I love this kid. I enjoy watching him. I've been saying all season long, he's worth a reason uh, to tune in. This guy's fun. He's exciting to watch. I think he's the real deal. He's the only goalie that I think I've ever been excited about that has played between the pipes for the Philadelphia Flyers. And it's not many times when you hear about a guy and he's hyped up and he lives up to the hype. This kid's 21 years old and he's already one of my favorite Flyers I've watched. I said it all season long. He is worth your time. And I am excited about what this team can bring and what the future looks like because of Carter Hart, kid. All right, that's your number five, MG. And just to Hunter's point, Bernie's my only guy I didn't see in his prime. Four, three, two, one. I saw every game, all the rest of these guys. Uh, my number four is uh, Rick Tockett. Uh, number 22, Rick Tockett was Flyers 84 to 92. Came back for a cup of coffee from 2000 to 2002. I mean, this is a guy who was a fighter first and foremost and then became a true power forward and a scorer. And it, it says something that, you know, he won the cup with the Penguins, obviously, not the Flyers, unfortunately. But it says something that he went to all these different teams. He was a well-traveled veteran to the Kings, the Bruins, the Capitals, the Phoenix, you know, and then he went back to the Flyers. So the guys respected around the league. And uh, Rick Tockett, to me, that's my number four. Yeah, I feel like Tock, by the way, had a nice head. All those guys, hockey guys typically have the lettuce, but he had a great Molly back in the day. <laughs> Got to respect that mullet, no doubt about it. It's a beautiful item. Number four on my list, I just feel like he gets so underappreciated, and it's Sean Couturier. He is one of the best two-way players in the game, but he's not someone who flashes out there. You don't really pick up on him. He does the little things right, 200-foot game, stick in the right spot at all the times. And it's crazy to think how long he's been in the league, yet how young he is, too. He's going to be an unbelievable talent by the end of his career is over. I thought about Couturier, by the way. I do like watching him. He has been a guy. Um, I have him on my honorable mention list. He just missed out because I really like Carter Hart and the other four guys I'm kind of fans of. My number four, PT, you would like this one. I'm wondering if he shows up on your list, and that's Danny B, Danny Briere. Yeah. Uh, obviously, uh, when he first got into the league as a Sabre, he was hated almost. He was a pain in the ass. But when he came to the Flyers, he scored so many big goals. He had so many playoff moments. He was um, just one of those guys that was always in the right spot at the right time. He led the 2010 team basically to the Stanley Cup Finals that year. I mean, he went on a tear. I think he had 30 points in that breaking. Uh, I think it broke a record uh, of playoff points. And he got that Flyers team all the way. It was one of the best summers ever watching that uh, spring into the summer, really. Watching that Flyers team uh, go all the way to the Stanley Cup. Danny B, uh, hated as a Sabre, loved as a Flyer. Number four, Danny B. Good choice, Mike Gill. Plus, he's so damn polite. He's so nice. He always comes on the radio with us. And I even got to drink with him before an Eagles uh, at an Eagles tailgate, you know, and, and he sent his kids to St. Augustine. He's basically a local. Come on now, Danny B. That's a good choice. He's on my list somewhere. You'll find out where. My number three, you know, I want you both to know, Hunter, you're too young, but Gil, you might remember that, you know, Flyers had a pretty good season in 84, 85. And that really, when I chart back, that's when I fell in love with Flyers hockey, the 84, 85 season. And this guy led the NHL with 40 wins. 
He won the damn Vesna Trophy, the first European goalie to do so in NHL history. I was around for him in his prime, and I loved Pelly Lindbergh. I was right on board with that Pelly train. It is sad how things turned out for Pelly. 85, of course, November when he had the uh, accident in Somerdale, New Jersey. I remember that. We were coming home from an Eagles-Giants game. We're in the car. And in the middle of the postgame show, in a commercial break, they updated what was going on with Pelly. Tragic. But he's my number three. Yeah, absolutely tragic. No doubt about it. Number three for me is Danny Breer. You mentioned that playoff run. You mentioned the playoffs in general and all the goals being scored in that 2010 run, being the little guy who was just able to find the back of the net no matter what. He was just there. He was always in the right spots where he'd be ripping twine. It was a fantastic watch. Danny B, my number three. Ah, how about that? Danny B makes a couple of lists. I didn't realize uh, how popular he was among the orange and black. All right. Uh, Danny B, by the way, I wouldn't go with the uh, – he didn't have, like, the tremendous lettuce. He did not have, like, the crazy hockey hair. He always kept it kind of tight. Uh, number three for me, uh, you know, this was – when he got traded, the funny part is at the time when he got traded, you know, he was one of the – I think he had that consecutive game streak going, and you were kind of, like, kicking stuff. Like, what the heck were the Flyers doing uh, when they traded – Rod Brindamore over to Carolina. I absolutely loved Brindy, but ironically enough, one of the guys he got traded for is on my honorable mention list as well. But it was a it was one of those trades that both guys, you know, were just kind of, you know, changing times in their careers. But Brindamore, you know, he was a part of the whole he was kind of like the overlooked guy um in the whole Lindros uh, area you know, right after that whole thing and was a very prominent guy with the Iron Man streak. He's turned into be a great coach, but I just loved his style of play as well. He was a grinder in the corner and just obviously he wasn't a big point guy. Uh but Brindamore had so many great moments and memories uh during that like, you know, it seemed like they were in that uh playoff area and a Stanley Cup contending team every year when he was with the team. You know, he got there like 92 and had a good run up until about 2000. So uh, he was a guy that uh, uh, I was a huge Brindamore guy there, PT. And when he got traded for uh, Keith Primo, who's one of my honorable mentions, by the way, uh, I was I had such mixed reviews because I loved Primo as well. That game was just on the other night where Primo beat the Penguins. It was the anniversary of that game. Uh, yeah, Rod the Bod, as they called him, or Brindy, you know, uh, he was uh, one of the most, more fit players, one of the nicer guys, and uh, a quality flyer. He's in my uh, honorable mention list, but he didn't make my top five. Uh, my top five skewers heavily towards a certain position, and you'll see that in my number two, which is number 27, Ron Hextall. Everything about this guy made me fall in love with him for banging his stick on the pipe, on every pipe to produce that ringing sound as part of his setup, his passion, his anger. I love that he got angry when he played the game. When he went after Chris Chelios, people loved that, that it was payback for the cheap shot on Brian Propp. In the brawl in 87, there was a pregame brawl in Montreal. He was so valuable to the Flyers that Mike Keenan locked him in the bathroom and told him, stay the F in there. Wouldn't let him come out because he didn't want to lose him in the playoffs. He's the first goalie to legitimately score a goal. He did against the Bruins in 88. Followed that up with a goal in a playoff game against the Capitals the next season. And his quote was great. I don't mean to sound cocky, but I knew it was just a matter of time before I flipped one in. (laughs) He was the celebrity flyer at the one and only hockey camp I ever attended, Hunter. He was the celebrity flyer in 87. He gave me a puck. His 
most attentive camper. I mean, come on. I love that guy. <laughs> most attentive wow. camper. Wow. Holy that? mackerel. See? Wow. How about that? Well, now, I, Ron Hextall is historic when it comes to the Flyers. I wonder how his GM life kind of plays a role in the people's thought process when it comes to Hextall as a player. It shouldn't. But I just wonder, sometimes people do change around how they feel. But, um, but yeah, he was iconic, no doubt about it. Number two, I have to go Simone Gagne. And it wasn't as if he's a player that really tore up, you know, the leagues insanely or whatever. But when it came to when I was younger and I was watching the game all the time and I was studying the game and I was still playing it then, there was something about the way that that he played that I really fell in love with. And I just think that when I look back at that 2010 run and the beating the Boston Bruins, if he came up big with the big goal, I, I just loved everything Simone Gagne brought to the table. Uh, yeah, I thought about Gagne too, and uh, it's weird that nobody. I'm, I'm interested to see um, because I know these lists uh, are, are kind of dwindling down here. I'm up. Uh, we're at number what uh, two now uh, on the list, and there's a couple of guys that I thought I would have heard by now that have not been on these lists. So I'm I'm seeing if uh, you guys maybe have them because I know that I don't have them on my list. It's just a little tease, a little insight there for you there, PT. All right, number two for me. Uh, is that where we are? Number two, right? Yep. Two. Yes. Uh, number two for me is uh, oh, all right. So this is going. This is one of my older school guys. This goes back to the uh, you know back to when I first started watching the Flyers. Like the '87 team is kind of when I first started to get into uh, watching the Flyers more and more. And that's uh, Brian Prop, and uh, he was kind of back then, you know, probably an underrated guy. Uh, but for that team in those eras there, after the 87 team, he really started to kind of be, you know, he was probably one of their best goal scorers through that whole era there. And then the 87 team, they make it to the Stanley Cup. And then right after that, uh, he gets traded to Boston. And then he had that run with Minnesota when they made the run to the Cup the one time. But I always thought proper just to, you know, I thought he was such an underrated player for the Flyers and uh, he had his run as the uh, analyst on the radio for a while there, so a lot of people probably remember. But he had, you know, game-winning goals. I always felt like he had big goals for the team. He had short-handed goals. It seemed like he always was putting a short-hander in. Uh, so Brian Prop, big fan of Proper. I actually have his jersey hanging up in the studio here. Big old 2-6 autographed by the entire 87 Flyers team in the studio here, PT. He's number two. All my list. And by the way, he also wore a Hartford Whalers sweater. He did. Uh, he's your number two. He's my number one. I mean, this is the jersey wow. that I got the same year that Pelly died. It's the original Eagle jersey that was made from the company in Westchester and it had the uh, black number 31 on the shoulder. And look, this guy was drafted in the 79 entry draft. And a year later, he was on a line with Reggie Leach and Bobby Clark. He's made everybody better you know he got the canada cup they put him on the line with gretzky and lemieux forget about it you know you mentioned his dubious distinction of the fact that he's been in the stanley cup finals five times 80 85 87 with the flyers bruins in 90 minnesota 91 never got to hoist the cup which is a criminal shame but you know this guy was runner up to wayne gretzky in 87 playoff scoring he he impacted games finished with over a thousand points scored his thousand nhl point against the flyers when he's playing for hartford so i mean to me if he had a cup in his resume or say multiple cups he'd be a lock for the hall of fame instead he just has to settle for the flyers hall of fame and he's my favorite 
flyer. That He's been my favorite flyer wow. since I was 14. That hasn't changed. I am shocked to hear that, PT. I, I, I did not think that that's who you were going to fire out as number one. I don't know that I've ever heard you refer to prop in such high regard. I, I mean, uh, not only did I have his jersey, I, I wrote my first ever journalism article in high school. I wrote a new, an article for my high school newspaper on prop. Met him back then. I've become to be friends with him as an adult. You know, I just, I absolutely adore the guy and everything that he's done. And the whole story of the guffaw, Scotty McKay, of course, was first, uh, first-hand knowledge for that. But uh, proper uh, was everything I thought that defined an NHL player. And uh, he's my number one. Has been, was when I was 14. It, it still is now. How about that? I love the selection. All right, for me... In, in my era, I am watching uh, one of the greatest Flyers careers play from the jump and all the way through to this point, and it's going to be Claude Giroux. He gets so disrespected, it hurts. No one factors in that this organization goes through seven goalies a year, yet it's his fault that this team can't win a Stanley Cup. You know, you get a goaltender in Carter Hart, and look how things change. Claude Giroux has 815 points in 889 games. He's only 32 years old. He's going to break 1,000 points. He's going to be one of the best to ever put on a Flyers uniform and probably play his whole entire career here. He's awesome. I absolutely love him, and I I, I watched his entire career to this point. So it has probably been the most impactful player that I've watched play to this level in a Flyers uniform all the way through. So it has to be G for me. And that's one of the guys I was talking about. I said, man, nobody has had Claude Giroux on the list so far. Top five at five, Hunter Brody finally put him on. He didn't make my list, unfortunately. Um, not the biggest Claude Giroux guy in the world, but uh, the seven goalies maybe had something to do with it. But uh, I think there's other reasons in there as well. Maybe he's one of them. I don't know. We could debate that another time. No, come uh, on. Oh, I would love to, Gil. I would love to. Uh, number one for me, and I can't believe he didn't fit on anybody else's list here. He's my favorite flyer of all time, and that's 88, man. Eric Lindros. I was a huge Lindros guy. Loved Lindros. I know he didn't quite live up to the hype that was put behind him. I mean, he was almost like LeBron James of hockey. You know, you heard about this guy in juniors and that he was going to really take be the next Gretzky. I mean, I literally compare him to what LeBron was. Like, LeBron coming from high school to the pros, he was going to be the next Jordan. Uh, I feel like uh, Lindros was going to be bar none. He was the next one. He was the next Gretzky. And he never quite got to that level, mainly uh, a lot of it because of the injuries. But, I, I mean, he just wasn't a Gretzky type of player. He was a big, physical guy. He could put the puck in the net. He did get that MVP uh, in the uh, shortened season, I believe, he won that uh, MVP. He took the Flyers to a cup, but he had such a tumultuous relationship with the team, the injuries, and obviously the team's goaltending problems, I think was a big reason. He was like McNabb without receivers. I mean, this was a guy playing with no goaltender for all those years and still getting them deep into the playoffs. Uh, I really thought the organization treated him like crap. Uh, for a time there, but his father didn't help the situation. He had that whole problem. And then I certainly don't like uh, the way that he entered the league, kind of forcing Quebec to trade him and all that stuff. But overall, I just became a huge fan of 88 and Eric Lindros. I've watched the thing on NBC Sports Philadelphia about Lindros and that whole thing probably 10 times. Like that whole yeah, scenario. 
family getting in the mix. Yeah, well, the whole scenario with the faxes and the teams, like, making the trade proposals, and then you had uh, the, the arbitrator getting involved, and just a wild scenario that ended up happening there. But I can't believe no one had Lindros on your list. Hey, he changed the game, and you're right. Uh, I, I was around. I, I covered his entire rookie season for WRTI Radio when I was at Temple. I followed his entire career. I mean, the guy was the franchise. And, you know, it's nice to see that after he came back to that alumni game that I mentioned that Bernie played in, that the ice sort of thawed a little bit or the, the chill thawed when he played in that 2012 uh, uh, alumni game. December 31st, 2011. So then he's, he's actually just come back as an ambassador with the team, which, which says that, you know, everything's water under the bridge now and it's time to move on. Look, I, I thought the guy changed the game, the way he played the game. His size, his ability to score, his nastiness out there. He's just not one of my top five. Ready to do some honorable mentions? Yeah, let's hear what you got there, PD. All right, I'm going to do this first. I'm going to say I had Danny Briere, Brian Boucher, and Ian LaPerriere as my modern-day honorable mentions. And then my other part of my honorable mentions reads like a who's who of like the time I fell in love with this team. Tim Kerr, Dave Poole, and Mark Howe, Brad McCrimmon, Pelly Ekman, Ilka Sinisala, Dave Brown, Ron Sutter, Rich Sutter, Peter Zezel, Scott Mellenby. They're all on my list. <laughs> all right, well, that's going a little deep there, PT, right? I mean, yeah, there was a lot of guys that I literally could have put, but I figured that I was just going to limit it to the, the, the guys that I was considering for the five spot here, right? Who do you got there, Brody? Yeah, so real quick on the Lindros thing. When he was on the flyer, I'm four years old. Like, I understand and I remember watching him play, but to analyze the game like I do now, that's why some of these players aren't on my list. It's, I'm four, I'm five. I, I watch, but it's, it doesn't hold the same impact. But for my honorable mentions, it's got to be Keith Primo, Mark Recchi, and Jeff Carter, Mike Richards, and... And you put Carter Hart on the list, and I didn't want to go with someone so raw and new, but I am so intrigued by him. I threw him on, as you mentioned, because he is must-watch. I mean, he really wants – he makes me want to put the TV on to watch him. He makes me want to turn the TV and watch Flyers hockey, which has not happened in a long, long time. Like, I'll watch casually, and then when they get to the playoffs, I'm really invested. But I watch more regular season games this season because – of uh, Carter Hart and uh, some of my honorable mention guys, Keith Primo, JVR. I was always kind of, I just like JVR. I think they've kind of under, I don't think they've used him the best. I think they could have done more with him. Um, and I, I've kind of uh, just always been a fan of him. He's a big player. I know those big guys aren't really a big part of the game as much anymore. Wayne Simmons didn't make anybody's list. I was always, I love Simmer, man. I thought of all the guys when he played with this group of guys, I thought he was maybe the best, but the most underrated guy. It was always like, you know, Giroux and Voracek, but I thought Simmons actually had some years where he outshined those guys. So uh, that group of guys, um, so they're just a couple uh, of my honorable mentions that I was thinking of for the five spot. The 87 team is really the first one that I remember, like sitting on the couch, watching the Stanley Cup Finals. So that team there, uh, and then the Lindros years, the Legion of Doom, the Legion of Zoom, that group there, Renberg, LeClaire, nobody mentioned him, I don't think, uh, that group. So uh, they've had a bunch of different things, but I really um, I, I really feel like uh, the I, I was surprised. I thought you were, we were going to hear more and more older, older guys, but I was personally surprised that PT didn't go all the way back. But... Uh, PT, for a team with such bad goalie history, you went like half goalies. 
Well, that's because they're the three greatest goalies in franchise history. You know, I'm not, listen, I'm not naming uh, Bob Froze. I'm not uh, throwing out Glenn Chico Rush, for God's sakes. And by the way, you kind of ripped on my honorable mention saying I just threw them all in there. My top five of my honorable mentions easily could have slid into that top spot. Tim Kerr scored four times 50-plus goals. 50, 53, 54. I mean, the guy was a machine. Dave Poulin, shorthanded against Quebec. Mark Howe, he's in the NHL Hall of Fame, and his father was pretty damn good. Brad McCrimmon, the beast. Once McCrimmon got there, the Flyers became an entirely different team. Pelly Eklund, hat trick, 87, Montreal. Look it up. I was never a big fan of Brad Marsh, I can tell you that much. Mark Howe, I always thought was overrated. Overrated? Mark Howe, I felt, was the Maurice Cheeks of the Flyers. Oh, my God. Howie, Howie, Howie was an outstanding player. Yeah, well, I remember, I caught him towards, like, the tail end of his career. So, like, like I caught Cheeks at the end of his career. So, I always looked at them like guys that, like, how are these guys Hall of Famers? What are you talking about, you know? <laughs> All right, that's the MTPT Top Mark, 5 and 5. Pretty good. Uh, guys, he says, I'm not a big Flyers fan, but I really like Rod Brindamore. Uh, Dan from EHC says Peter Zezel. Zezel was always yeah. a Margate guy hanging out down the shore. My favorite flyers of all time. Pelly Lindbergh, Bernie Pratt, Mark Recchi, Bobby Clark, Bill Barber, and Eric Desjardins. You know, nobody put Clarky on their list. Barber didn't make anybody's list either. I'm surprised by you, PT. No Clarky? I never saw him play. I mean, I saw him play in an alumni game, but I never saw him play in person. You know, and and if and if you had if you forced me to choose, and these are your favorite flyers, I'm choosing Bernie over Clark. All right, uh, Joe S in Ocean City says Tim Kerr, especially the two years he and my favorite sister were dating. Thanks, guys. No, that's pretty <laughs> funny. <laughs> uh, these lists stink, except for PTs. Everybody likes the PTs list. All right, because he went with the older guys. All right, uh, that's today's MGPT top five at five. Our five favorite flyers. Of all time. Good mix, good names, good memories. And, of course, we'll do it again tomorrow here on the MGPT Top 5 at 5. We'll have another five things to rate for you guys. And you can, of always, of course, get involved by texting us at 609-403-0973. Peter, take care. Michael, honor, take care, guys. All right. Uh, Pete Thompson, like all guests, appear to be the Boardwalk Honda Hotline. It's the MGPT Top 5 at 5. UFC 249 is on this Saturday, and the Octagon will serve host the 12 fights. It's going to be a big fight card, top to bottom. And if you've been chomping at the bit to bet on sports, now's your chance. Go to PlaySugarHouse.com and check out the money lines on this incredible fight card. PlaySugarHouse.com. Also live streaming other sporting events right now that you can bet on on your phone. Place your bets now on UFC 249 at PlaySugarHouse.com. Have fun. Bet within your limits. Playable in New Jersey only. Must be 21 or older. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. When we come back, Todd Rank joins us. Your next chance at Sports Bash Cash, up to $10,000, is coming tomorrow at 3 p.m. Yeah, tomorrow we have another chance for Sports Bash Cash, $1,000, but you're running out of time. Brought to you by Franklin Bank. Visit FranklinBNK.com. we got tomorrow's three words, Friday's three words, and then that is it. Sports Bash Cash will be in the books, giving out $1,000 a word and up to ten grand to one lucky winner. Make sure you have the free mobile app on your phone, 609-403-0973. You want to text us with your favorite flyers, people continuing to do so on Twitter. By the way, Durso, you'll like this, uh, Broads. Durso got involved on Twitter real fast and gave us his list because you know Durso, big hockey guy. 
You think he's in his cowboy boots right now? At least the hat. No doubt about it. He's got uh, Johnny LeClaire, Danny Briere, Claude Giroux, Bernie Perrant, Simone Gagne, honorable mention, Brian Prop, his dad's favorite, Scott Mellenby, his mom's favorite, Mark Hal, Eric Lindros, Rod Brindamore, and Mark Recchi. It's a good list. Solid list. Very solid. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody had LeClaire on their list. Yeah, that's kind of a violation. By what? I think it's a little bit of a violation. Yeah, well, you had a chance to put them on. Well, listen, but that's not really my era, so it's on you guys. <laughs> I gave you, I mean, I gave you a couple. I gave you Lindros was my uh, that era guy. Well, you know, you got to be better than that. All right, Sports Pass Live, Todd Rank is back. We'll uh, have a little fun before we get out on this Wednesday edition. Now, uh, you're not much of a hockey guy, though, Rank, right? Yeah, no, your producer was talking to me before I jumped on with you guys, and he said, yeah, the last segment was the top five flyers. I went, well, that's good I wasn't included in that conversation. Because I'm not a big flyer. Right. Well, it's funny because I was just going through some old, old pictures. I found this old camera in my car, and it was like an old digital camera. And I put batteries in it, and I looked at the pictures, and it was a picture of you and I broadcasting live from the Flyers game outside of the arena before one of their playoff games. It had to be what? Like, what year would that have been? That would have been right around 2013, probably. Yeah, so it's the two of us doing a show live, and on the set with us is Bernie Perron. That's great. Well, and I do remember, I mean, when you say something like that, being in the arena for one of those playoffs, I mean, that was, it's pretty special. I mean, it was pretty, the, the just the adrenaline, and we were up top, of course, once we went in there up at the press box up top, and it really, I hadn't been to too many hockey games um, and the energy in that building was pretty, pretty remarkable. So you're not a hockey guy at all. You're you're not tuning in on a Wednesday night to watch some Flyers, uh, Vancouver Canucks action. Not not so much. I mean, I, I get being at the arena, right? When you're there, I think it's a different game than to watch it from home, especially more so than even other other sports. But it just never grabbed on for me. Um, again, I'm watching for the fights. I'm not really watching for the oh. kill set. You know what I'm wow. saying? Wow. And now. Billy Schwein is out there listening and saying, See, I told you. People want to see the fights. I've been telling you, Gil, for the last couple of days, he's got a little Schwein in him. And I think we're putting it together here. That's all. It's not a bad thing. I told you. We all have it. Wow. Wow. Well, I got it. You know, he, you live in LA. Like, we're. Let's do the pecking order of where the Kings rank on the pantheon of teams in LA. Oh, geez. Well, I mean, again, if you ask a Kings fan out here, they they go nuts. But if I'm being unbiased, I mean, you you got two teams for every for the city. So I would go, you know, Dodgers. No, wait, wait, wait. Not I only do you go, have two teams, not only do you have two teams, you also have college teams like USC and UCLA that hold some weight out there. Of course. So that's that's the hard part. Is I mean, I would put USC football ahead of the LA Kings. I don't know that right now I would put UCLA football ahead of the Kings. Um, but, yeah, USC would be, the Lakers would be, the Clippers would be, uh, the Dodgers. I mean, the Angels are a little distant because they're down in Anaheim. But with Mike Trout on that team, I would still put them ahead of the Kings. Um, the only team that I wouldn't put ahead of the Kings is the Anaheim Ducks, probably. <laughs> you know? well, I was going to say, don't about the San Jose Sharks. 
Oh, well, right. Then you got and you got to say, and to be honest with you, I mean, I think Anaheim, if I'm not mistaken, has had a better team over the last decade than the than the Kings have. Well, the Kings uh, won a couple of wait. The Kings won like they won the Cup win not too long ago. 2012. But didn't the Ducks win it be more recent than that or no? I don't know. No, 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 no. The, the, the Kings won the Cup in 2011, 2012, and 2013 and 2014. Like, so they won it twice, the 2011-2012 season and the 2013-2014 season. So they have recently won two Stanley Cups out there. The funny part is I don't think you were living there, Dor, when they won. No, right. I was over there with you, and I just I was just coming back when they won that second one. Uh, but again, I mean, think about that. They won two Stanley Cups in the last 10 years, and there's no talk about them. I mean, there's just no talk about them. They get nothing. You're not get, they're getting no radio talk. I mean, <laughs> at all. I so, can't – like, and then you put the Ducks in the mix. By the way, the Ducks won in 06-07. I don't even remember them winning a cup, like, at all. Wow. Shame on you. Maybe they – well, maybe they were in the uh, – were they in the finals and they lost? I just feel no, like they won. They they won the cup in the oh six oh seven season, uh, and then they were in the cup four years before that and lost. But they won the Stanley. I do not. If you ever, if you said to me, if the Anaheim Mighty Ducks or the Ducks won, I would say no. They do not have a Stanley Cup to their like credit on their ledger. I would not remember that. It's funny because I do recall them winning. But man, I thought it was a lot, a lot, a lot sooner than back in 07, 08. Now, now, what kind of uh, fanfare did they have for that that cup? I mean, look, it's LA is a big city, right? It's a fair weather fan city. If they're in the finals, that stadium's going to fill up. So when it's Ducks time, people are getting the paraphernalia. They're going to the game. Um, not as diehard. When you talk about Lakers fans, people believe the purple and gold, right? If, they, if you talk about uh, the Dodgers. They bleed the Dodgers. So, but more with hockey, I feel like the city will grab onto them if they make a good run. But otherwise, it's just too far down the totem pole. There's just too many other things going on. And by the way, you can also, well, at least not right now during the virus, but you can go to the mountains, you can go to the beach. There's just too many other things that keep people occupied over here that they're just not as locked in with some of those sports. All right, so one of the things that we were throwing around earlier in the show, and, you know, I know you're a big Jordan guy with the last dance and everything we've been talking about, whose legacy was affected the most because of Jordan and the Bulls? That's a great question. Um, I would would lean... I mean, you got, like... You got like Barkley, you got Carl Malone and Stockton, you got like, hey, Clyde Drexler and those Portland teams. Like, can you imagine if Portland had beaten them twice, the two times, then Drexler would have had two. I mean, there's so many. Uh, we had a guy on earlier, he said Patrick Ewing, like those Knicks teams that couldn't get past the Bulls. How about all the, the Pistons teams that the Bulls knocked out that maybe could have won a three-peat? Well, I agree with that. And also, when you think about when Jordan left in the middle, the Rockets won two of those, right? Right in the middle. So that gave them their two wins because Jordan wasn't in the league. As I look at it, the first name that came to my mind was Barkley. Maybe it's just because of just the most recent last dance. But let's be honest with ourselves. They win that championship that year in the finals because the Bulls without Jordan may not even be in those finals. And that Phoenix Suns team that year was – I mean, they were a great team. So – 
I think he definitely has a championship if Jordan isn't playing in that in that timeline. Um, but I mean, you think about Carl Malone, and you know um, who else? I, you think about the Sonics, uh, Gary Payton. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, some of these guys. Those would be some of the ones that come to my mind first. Um, you know, John Stockton and that Malone combination just, um, you know, just can't get over the hump. Um, so. There's a lot of teams and a lot of guys, and I, even with Barkley talking the other day, I think he made reference to that where, you know, he said, look, if I'm going to lose, and it's going to be to Jordan, and if, if I'm in that era, I'm in that era, just like football with Tom Brady kind of, right? There, there's only so many chances you're going to get, um, but he's going to bite you most of the time. So, you know, there's a blessing and a curse to being in that same timeline with Jordan because I think that was – I think we're going to look back on it and say that was probably the greatest basketball time. Um, again, kids who are born now are going to disagree, but I think if you can look at the full spectrum of it all, I think you would say, and as we're watching this last dance, you can clearly see it was a different game. I mean, I, I text you all the time, Joe, with how many of these games they keep showing the final scores, and I, I've seen maybe one game that's over 100 points. So yeah, don't I just, tell me that. I, I don't disagree yeah. that that was a more entertaining style. I just think, like, every – Every league develops into a new game, and now you got more three-pointers, which makes the game higher scoring. And I love – I wish you can make what they did in the 90s with going forehead to forehead, you know, getting real pissed off with each other, having some elbows, and mix that with the athleticism of today's players because that's what I love so much about today's game is, you know, these backup point guards who are so skilled, skill level-wise, is so much better than some of the players back then just based off of like natural uh, athleticism and skill level, but because of the physicality and the way that they played the game, it made that a different way. I wish you could combine the two. No, I hear you because I, I'm a, I'm a big warrior fan. I, I love how Steph Curry changed the game. Don't get me wrong. It, it just, when you start to watch some of these old highlights, you see how really bad the defense is in this league and how much it's not even looked at. It's not even, it's not even gauged in the workouts coming from college. It doesn't. You, the kids going into college now know I don't have to play defense. I mean, literally. Do you think that's analytically driven? Because analytics tell you more possessions equal better game, you know, better shooting, more possessions, more points. So it's more like let's just worry about getting shots up. So now analytics could actually be hurting basketball. Well, I wondered though, Hunter, because when you looked at the Warriors team that won, all that anybody ever looked at was how great their offense was, how many three-pointers they were making. But people don't realize they were a top-three defense every year that they were winning. I looked at the Clippers this year. The way that they play defense when they choose to play, they can shut a team under 90 points, under 80 points. I mean, so it seems like the cream still rises to the top that is a, a top defensive team in the league. But for whatever reason, a lot of these teams and, and just the culture of the league is – we're going to outscore you. We're going to score 130, and we're going to beat you. You're going to score 128. Um, and, and it is a different brand of basketball. People like the offense. But when I watch some of these defensive battles and some of these highlights, I do miss that because it, it was, there was such a grind to it. There was such a, okay, now you got to beat our you got to come through our team and try to score. And, I mean, that Bulls team, what was it, Joe, the last game against the Jazz, they held them, or that one game they won like 96 to 56. I mean, they didn't even let him score 60 points in the game. It was unbelievable. <laughs> and, and there was talk to that. I mean, 
Yeah, I don't think it made the game boring. I think it just became, can this team score on the Bulls right now? They're so unbelievable defensively. Yeah, there was a lot of mental anguish watching some of those games. Like, it was just like this, you know, screeching halt. And it was like, you know, um, we were watching, we were doing the show like a month or so ago. And after the show was over, we sat down, we were watching the Knicks-Pacers game. And, of course, Hunter is watching the game with me. And I'm pointing out to him, I'm like, look at the paint. There's like eight guys in the paint right now. You don't see anybody in the paint on the offensive side of the ball right now because everybody shoots threes. And, you know, I get I get kind of bored sometimes and tired of watching just like a three-point competition. Whatever team makes more threes typically wins the game. And I'm just like, that's just a – I don't know. It's like a – like, I'm a National League guy against an American League guy. Why? Because I like the strategy involved in the National League game, and I feel like basketball now has just become, I'm going to outshoot. There's no strategy involved with, like, you know, the different defense and all that stuff. But, hey, it was a different time, and I'll tell you what. One thing's for sure. Uh, when they get If they get this season back going, there's some talk that Kevin Durant could come back, and that would be a game-changer for this season. That would be interesting. Now, the only thing is, though, where is Brooklyn in the scheme of things? Well, they're what? They're like the Sixers. No, the Sixers are six. I would say Brooklyn's about the eight. So they're right on the cusp. No, they're, they, the they would be in. No, they they would. Seven, seven seed right they, now. They are the, the, and not only are they the seven, I think they're firmly, wow. they are firmly ahead of the nine. So I don't think they would drop out. So they would definitive. So can you imagine? If you're the Toronto Raptors as the two, and you got to face the Brooklyn Nets, and then Durant's back. Ooh, well, and again, there's no home court advantage really, so you're not getting that. Take that out of the equation, right? And if you get Durant comes back fresh, now is he rusty? Maybe, but he's fresh and he's ready to go. I mean, that guy. Look, we watched him with Golden State. The guy's unbelievable. Anybody who wants to badmouth on Durant for whatever other reasons. You didn't want him to play for the Warriors, whatever other reasons, fine. That guy, when he was in this league and playing healthy, he was the best player in the league at the, before he got injured. I yeah. mean, he was the best player in the league. I'd like to get so, into that one day, by the way. Well, I know you, you lean to that Kawhi, but still, I'm just telling you, I love what he brings. If he gets in there... No, 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 no. I'm talking about your hypocrisy that you ripped LeBron for oh, yeah, choosing to go to the Heat, and then you praise... That Durant and I was Durant was my favorite player in the league, and I cannot condone that decision that he made. And yet, you support it after you rip LeBron for doing the same thing. And here's my reasoning for it: as I told you, LeBron had different reasons for why they left. LeBron left and went and created his team and went down with his best friend Durant. He wanted to get out of his place. It was dysfunctional and corrupt, and he just wanted to go where he could just play basketball, he went to a no, system no. I'm gonna have to that he on. loved. He loved that. Anybody, this is my question, though. You ask anybody in the league when they were watching those Warriors, every player in the league wanted to go play for that situation, wanted to play for that system, wanted to play for Steve Kerr. It doesn't make it right. You can say, what if, just, so what if LeBron went from Cleveland and then went to Golden State? If the reasoning is because of the system, I, I'm telling you, there's a different reason behind it. He went, it, there was a, I guess the reason he goes isn't for fame, it isn't for fortune, it isn't for, it was, I want to go and I want to be with a system where I like how I can fit into the game. And I literally, think LeBron that probably did the same thing, though. In Miami, he thinks he could fit that system perfectly. 
Close. Yeah, but I can't. It was hard to tell because that team wasn't together. They they handpicked it, you know. That well, that's my and that would be my only issue. Hey, look, I I'm not. I, I I don't support LeBron, and I certainly don't support Durant. I'm an equal ripper in that situation. I think they both. Both of them took the weak sauce to get out of the situation. They should have stayed where they were. And you say, I'm Kevin Durant. You come play with me. You don't say, I'm going to come play with you because I can't beat you. That was weak sauce, and you know it. No, but look, but we're talking as strictly a fan looking at basketball. These guys have lives. They live in cities. They don't want to be there. There's culture problems. There's different. You, we can't go behind the scenes. So for that purpose, I mean, LeBron lived in Cleveland. He's from Cleveland. The only reason he left is because he wanted to go try and figure out how do I put together a team to win a championship. Durant isn't from Oklahoma City. He gave them a good nine years. That that simply didn't work with Westbrook. And at the end of the day, you wanted him to pick a different team, basically. I wanted him to stay in Oklahoma City or, yeah, go find a different team. Don't take the best team. That's all. All right, we, I mean, look. Sadly, we have to go. Sadly, we have to go. We'll do it again tomorrow. We can pick right back up. I guarantee I won't forget this conversation. Yeah, I think we need to. I think we need to pick right back up because I'm over here cringing. He's cringing. He's cringing. <laughs> All right, man. Have a good one, uh, That's Todd Rank. Back tomorrow. Yeah, I, I, we battle over that all the time. Because I was a huge Durant fan, but I didn't respect him for that move. I hated it. Yeah, but you're on the same page on both scenarios. He's trying to, he said, oh, well, OKC's dysfunctional. Well, uh, Cleveland's dysfunctional. I mean, he was just <laughs> making up which way he wanted it to go so KD fit well. Uh, back with the five next. You ready for competition? It's time for five questions. Three and then just man, I need five. Number five, I'm always love. Uh, get ready to wrap up the show. We went a little long with rank, so uh, we'll have to really hustle through this. By the way, the Sports Bash Hall of Fame today. This one might be a little controversial, but we'll see how the reaction goes when I post this tonight. Bo Jackson's getting in. Because if Bo Jackson like didn't get hurt, he would have been maybe one of the greatest players in not one, but two sports. We never really got to see Bo Jackson, the football player, do all that much. But Bo Jackson, the baseball player, was on his way to being potentially a Hall of Fame player. And I want him in my Hall of Fame to tell the story of how great this guy was. So Bo Jackson, controversial pick, but guess what? He gets in my Sports Bash Hall of Fame. And that's how we'll end today's show. Okay, no you, questions then. You, uh, you never saw Bo Jackson really play? No. But you just read about him. Heard yeah, about I mean, him. Obviously. All sports fans know about Bo Jackson. Yeah, Bo Jackson was mythical almost. That's why he goes into this Sports Bash Hall of Fame that I've created. I'm a really hard grader. And by the way, Bo Jackson doesn't belong in any Hall of Fame, baseball or football. He just didn't play enough. But because he is such a tremendous athlete and part of the games, I'm putting Bo Jackson in. So he is in my Sports Bash Hall of Fame of fame. All right, we're back again tomorrow. Busy show. Obviously, we're going to get back into some of this Eagles conversation, and we'll have the full Bryce Harper audio that we'll react to as well. For Broads, I'm Mike. Josh Henning produced the show. Have a great night, everybody.